Welcome to Changing the Lens, a podcast dedicated to helping women like you grab a hold of some fresh insight, clear perspective, and a renewed energy when planning your wedding and beyond. I'm Angelina Swords Bricado, your host. I'm a veteran wedding photographer with more than 500 weddings under my belt, a woman who loves the big city and has made my hometown my home. I'm 20 years into my marriage to my high school sweetheart, Lyle, and we have four kiddos. I believe that we can always make a choice to see opportunity over obstacle if we take a breath and allow ourselves to shift our perspective. This is a place where we will hear from experts in the world of weddings, health and wellness, marriage counseling, food and cocktail, stress management, and so much more. We want to clear the desk of all of the pressure and the overwhelm. So grab your coffee or your cocktail. All you have to do here is be willing to listen, see things differently, and believe in the power of changing the lens. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our big red carpet premiere episode of our show, and I am truly honored to welcome my business partner, life partner, my high school sweetheart, my husband, as my first guest, but he's not really a guest. He's welcome anytime, and you'll hear from him pretty regularly. Lyle Bracado is a master photographer, actor, editor, and overall tech guy. He makes fabulous cappuccinos, he's the gumbo chef in our household, and is happy to be my test subject for any of my crazy cocktail trial runs. He'll be excited to hear me say that he's a spectacular basketball player and somehow always looks like a million bucks no matter where his day has taken him. Today, you're going to hear us reflect on our own wedding day. It was a mess. A great, big, beautiful mess filled with mishaps, obstacles a fight on the altar, and a wine fountain. But most of all, it was filled with love and a ton of commitment. And here we are at nearly 20 years of marriage and four young children. And the big takeaway here is that the wedding is not the marriage. The wedding day doesn't have to be perfect, and chances are that it will not be. But it doesn't have to be. The journey doesn't end at the wedding. It's only the beginning. Hey, Lyle. Hi, babe. Um, well, I'm nervous having you on here. This is fun and nerve-wracking. And we almost uh, started rolling a little video to accompany this and then realized that as dumb as you think you sound, when you listen to your own voice, you're going to feel even dumber. Not you personally, Lyle, but like we would feel even dumber watching ourselves. No, I would feel dumb and there's no reason to add more dumbness in the world. No. No. Okay. So, um, I love you. I love you. And we are about to have our 20 year wedding anniversary in a couple of months. And I've been thinking a lot about our wedding day, uh, being wedding photographers. I, I mean, honestly, the wedding photography thing all started because of our extremely messy, chaotic, well-intentioned wedding day. Uh, nobody was malicious. Disasters didn't strike because there was malice involved or agendas involved. It just, we were very young. I mean, we were 21 years old when we got married. So that meant planning the wedding. We were, you know, 20. 
And we didn't know what the heck we were doing. And for my family, I was, I'm the oldest. So I was the first one down the aisle. So they, they didn't have any experience. I was a kid. I didn't know. All I knew was what I had seen on a wedding story. Mm, <laughs> That's God, it. We watched so much wedding story back in yeah. those days. Yeah, no, I did that to you. Um, mm -hmm. It was like the first reality wedding show. Yeah. In that sense, it's, you know, kind of awesome, I guess. But. It was, yeah, it was hard. We were really young. We were in college. We had a lot going on um, and didn't understand fully what we were diving into. We didn't have any coordinators. We didn't have much contact with uh, any vendors to help guide us through the day. No. We didn't know that that was even a possibility. And we only knew one type of wedding because we're from our small town. You know, we hadn't at that point in our lives ventured out from here at all, ever. So there was no other experience of having a different type of wedding or something that felt more us or any semblance thereof. It was just either you have your traditional small town wedding or you elope or you have a destination wedding. None of those were on the table really for us except for traditional hometown wedding. Yeah. And as a 21 year old dude, I had not a clue about any of it. I had no idea what my responsibilities should be, what was uh, expected of me. F I mean, at all. No idea. From a design perspective, from just being a group, I had no idea about anything with weddings. You were the one who kind of led the way. And I remember you trying to get um, a photographer uh, that shot the style that we wanted, kind of the style that we shoot now. Um and and that wasn't really an option. No, it, I mean, that was sort of, that was at the very beginning of when our style of photography first started to have it, which is, you know, there's, there's formal, just so that, you know, you can always go to our website, ricardophotography.com, but to see the style, but the, it's ultimately there's, um, formal photos. Yes. Uh, it's very timeless. It's very clean. Um, and the emphasis is on the more emotionally driven photographs, the, the moments. Um, so we're, you know, very organized as a result of our own wedding day experience, which, uh, is important, but so yeah, just so you know a little bit about that background, but yeah, I had a really hard time finding a photographer that suited our style or what I thought was our style. So again, we went with, um, you know, work that was solid hometown photographer, no other experience did we have coming into this. We knew we wanted to be married. That's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Probably lost sight of that a couple of times. A couple of times. More than a couple of times. A lot of times. Yeah. Uh, you know, it start. It all started. Our engagement was amazing. Our engagement was awesome. You nailed it. You proposed to me on the altar. You know, we're both born and well, not born and raised Catholic, but Lyle, you're born and raised Catholic. I'm mm. I converted when we got engaged, but you proposed to me on the altar because you knew that that would be the spirituality would be an important part of our lives together. And uh, on Christmas Eve, and it was just us in the church, and it was so, so incredible. It was all very last minute, too. I had no idea what I was going to do. I knew I was going to propose to you on Christmas Eve. I had the ring, but I had zero idea what I was going to do. We went to Mass that evening, uh, Christmas Eve Mass, and uh, still had no idea. I mean, we're nighttime now. I mean, it's it was, it was tick-tock. But you were definitely planning on proposing to me that day. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the day. And I think I remember saying to my mom, I have no idea what I'm going to do. She was like, just come back here. It's like, oh, that's a great idea. 
So I, <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know it was your mom that gave you the, the idea. Yeah. So I, uh, blindfolded you. Did I blindfold you? You did. And I took you in. You, yeah. you didn't want me to see where we were going. Again, tiny town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they left the church open for us, uh, which it may have been open anyway because it was Christmas Eve. Anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, walked you up to the altar. Um, had you turn around. I was kneeling down. Had you unblindfold. Unblindfold? Is that a word? Unblind, yeah. Take the blindfold off. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, there I was on my knee. Yeah. In front of the manger scene. In front of God and everybody. <laughs> Actually, nobody, just God. Um, yeah, it was incredible. And I remember when you blindfolded me, I was trying to navigate the turns, like sense it out. Right. Again, small town life. So I was like trying to navigate where I was. I did get lost. But the moment we walked into the church, I was still blindfolded. But all the smells, the incense, mm -hmm. I knew exactly where I was. And it felt so warm and comfortable. It was pretty amazing. And then, <laughs> and then the next day came and then it just really, it started it just the banana stuff because then it goes from being emotional to being, okay, what's the plan then? What's the plan then? Yeah. Um, and things get hairy. But that's what, that's what happens is, is you have this moment together and that's the most important thing. And then you invite the outside world into this moment and they have questions and that's when have you picked a date yet have you thought about this have you thought about that and immediately it becomes overwhelming i think for most people it becomes a business like yep. an operation a full force operation of um you know also like who's paying for what and who's responsible for what and who does this and who does that and and for us again being being super young but really no matter what age you are. Um, I mean, I'm sure maturity would have helped us a little bit along the way. I can I can say in hindsight that I would do things differently for sure. But I don't know if that's because I've had the experience or if that's my age talking or if that's the, you know, because this is the field that we're in. I don't know. Well, I think through the process, though, is we gained a lot of maturity from it. There were things that we had to do that we never thought we would be in a position to have to do. Mm -hmm. Um you know, to have sit downs with uh, in-laws, uh, like to have like these heart to heart conversations uh, about things that bothered us with in-laws. This is not a fun thing to do, but we did that. And I felt like, you know, it was kind of a, a big step up. Yeah. Grew up a little bit. Oh, definitely. Because things got hairy. So hairy. Things got hairy. I mean. Chewbacca hairy. You were, I mean, with my family, you, there were grievances there. Mm-hmm. And the opposite way around, mm -hmm. me with your family. Uh, and it did end up resulting in big, heavy sit-downs. Now, I don't remember every reason why we were, why, why there were tiffs. And of course, if my parents are upset, and again, we're, we're kids. So if my parents are upset at you, I'm going to carry a little bit of that with me and vice versa. It's not all like we've been married for 20 years anymore where – you know, you don't let the outside world affect or inform your emotions as much as you did when you were 20, you know, Very by true. you, I don't mean you, I just mean I the understand. hypothetical, yeah. you, the general you. Um, so yeah, so that meant that you and I would come together after, again, we're in college. So weekends back home from LSU, going back to our parents' houses, come back together on the Monday and things would be 
tricky for a couple days because we had come back informed by all of this stuff that we picked up on the weekend. And, you know, things would be better if people would have harder conversations together, not just like you and me, but even if our parents had, I don't know, if maybe saw it was necessary and maybe a whole lot of things happened in the background that we don't even know. I don't know. But maybe if they had come together too to work it out. So I guess that's an important thing to think about when our kids grow up and they get married. If we start, I I know for me, I want to be the dream mother-in-law that like reaches out to my future co-parenting situation, whoever my kids have chosen, um, and reach out and not to take over, but just to say, hey, I'm here for help for like to be a team because I'm so excited and happy and happy to be a member of your family. I think the world's changed too. I think that's a generational thing as well. Like we, we are raising children at an older age. You know, I didn't, I didn't give birth to Rocco until I was 32. Your mom gave birth to her last kid of four at 32. So we're, our parents and us were raising eight children at different, far different ages. So I think it is, maybe that's a maturity thing too, a generational thing, and just the world we live in. There's a huge emphasis on trying to have hard conversations these days or being vulnerable or just being open and accepting. Yeah. And also hiring professionals to, oh, yeah, that. to, to do stuff because, uh, you know, if you don't know, you don't know, uh, and you're going to hit bumps in the road. And it's, I know how well we work with our, our couples and how much help we are to them with just like guiding them along in the day, giving them a timeline, those types of things. Uh, and planners do that as well. Um, so it's, yeah, trust professionals. Yeah. The guest list was tricky for us. I think it's probably tricky for most people. I think I the guest think... list, I've, I I remember saying, even back then, telling people, recognizing how hard the guest list was immediately and saying, if you can make it through the guest list, you can make it through anything. Yeah. Although we did have more troubled waters ahead, but that was <laughs> that was like on the earlier side of sticking points. Again, you're 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 so young, and I and you know at 21, you don't you don't feel so young. You feel like you're grown up. You're, you're, you're almost done with college and you're moving on with life. You're getting married. Those are big, huge steps. So you feel like grownups for that. But, you know, at 40, you can look back uh, and I, I, you know, some of our couples are young like that. And I don't want to insult our younger couples because they're amazing. It's just when you're 21, you don't know things. Um, and when you're 40, you can see where priorities change so much so like now of course i look back and i say man why did we have why did we have such a big wedding why didn't we just do something so small and intimate and 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 of course during covid times right now we have some couples who are downsizing and and they are these more small intimate affairs and they're beautiful and they they are they're at peace with that and they love it and of course there's less distraction. So of course you focus on the thing that's most important on the day. Um, and boy, that was tough for us. Uh, so many distractions on the day, just so much you're running behind. Um, oh my God, we got, we got, this is my fault in a little tiff on the altar. Yeah. We got in a fight on the altar. Yeah. Because oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got, I was, I was annoyed because you didn't have your bags packed and we were going to have to go back to your house after the reception to get your bags to go on the honeymoon. So stupid, but man. <laughs> yeah, that was really stupid. Last. <laughs> 
yeah, you can see on our wedding video me faking a huge smile at Lyle so as he was like fussing at me. And then you caught the videographer looking at you. So then you kind of played <laughs> off of that too. Yeah. yeah. So that was one of those things. Um, also, you're talking about like overall chaos of a wedding day and some of that chaos is inevitable there's so many unknowns going into a wedding day and that's to a degree those unknowns are expected so i think you know we got into the photography business for weddings because of our experience a huge part of that yes is the emotionally driven photos that we wanted for ourselves but the even bigger part of that was because of that 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 chaos that could have been prevented mm-hmm. not the fun swirling of moments and memories and people and faces and food and songs not that kind of swirly goodness but more so about the preventable insanity that that could have you know been present for us and just wasn't because nobody that, was nobody was driving the train nobody was driving the train uh, so I, I think a, another thing to say here, too, is that this, too, is generational, not just a, a, an approach to a wedding day or parental mindsets or us being young at the time. Not just that, but trends like you were saying, why did we have such a big wedding? But that was the thing. And again, we didn't know any different. All the only weddings we had ever been to were at Church A followed by reception at reception hall B. And that's it. And this is how it goes. And so that's what you do. So we didn't we didn't know the option. So that's why we have this massive wedding where instead of, which is more nowadays is the trend, and especially with COVID times, you're focusing more on an experience as opposed to quantity. So it's quality over quantity. Back then, it was quantity over quality. It was, you know... I'm not speaking to our wedding exactly when I say this, because if my mom hears it, she would be offended if I said this and and was referring to our wedding. But truly, I am not referring to our wedding when I say this. But, you know, it was spending less money on wine and spending less money on. Oh, my God. Let's talk about that wine for a second, because nowadays, I mean, I've managed high end (laughs) restaurants in Los Angeles and we really enjoy wine. And I worked very closely with a sommelier for a long time. So now we know a lot more about wine. But can we talk about our wine for just two seconds? And the wine fountain. Oh, it was a wine fountain. Um, but wait, do you remember the wine? Of course I do. Do you? Uh, yeah. Who's uh, going to be the one to break down the wall of shame and say it out loud? This podcast is sponsored by Arbor Mist. <laughs> He's got jokes. Um, yeah, Arbor Mist. It was like Blackberry Merlot. Oh yeah, it was. That was pouring through it's that delicious. wine fountain. That delicious. was our. That was our wine. Oh, twenty one. Um. So I mean, we're, I guess we should just be grateful that it wasn't Strawberry Hill or something. <laughs> Same, maybe. Um, So, yeah, some of it was just like a quantity over quality. You were going to spend more money on on, um, having more people there or having a facility that could house that many people than you were going to spend on um, the the rich experiences of a situation. So I definitely remember that. Like I wanted as many people at my wedding as possible because I guess to me that meant that I was like popular or people liked me yeah. or people cared about me. So the more people, the better. I can say that I sent out 300 invitations. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm sure there's a little ego, 21 years old, you know, you just, yeah. you want to be seen, you want whatever, you want the attention. Yeah. It's part of it for sure. And not that everybody who invites that quantity of people to their wedding is, has that perspective, but that was mine for sure. I will take ownership that it was for me sort of a popularity contest for sure is the age thing and small town thing. We still live in that small town. And that doesn't, <laughs> you know, with all this said about our wedding, I do remember our vows and I do remember the emotion behind our vows. Like that was still really special. Very special. You know, it, it maybe fell apart before that and after that, but it was. Uh, in my runny nose, I constantly had my Kleenex going under my veil to wipe my nose. Oh, funny. Constantly. I don't I, had, I was sick the week before. I had a horrible raging sinus infection. So the schedule side of things, though, so that is that is that preventable chaos that I'm talking about. That is what why we got into our business really fed our business because, you know, there was, like you said, nobody driving the train. There was no one telling us what to do. Our parents hadn't had any, if I mean, not much, if any, experience in this world of weddings and what that looks like. And you think when you're going into it and you don't know that people are just going to somehow take care of you, whether that's your vendors or somebody, some magical person is just going to come and save the day, not that you even know the day is going to need to be saved, but you think somebody's going to be doing something. But if you're not communicating with your team in that way and you don't hire either a coordinator, whether that be for the day of or to sort of help along the way, or even for us with your photographer, having that conversation, going through the schedule, going through a timeline, making a photo list, like we didn't have that. So uh, we were the wedding started late because we were a one photographer operation because that's how things were done then. So that one photographer had to go from your house taking pictures and they were running behind taking pictures at your place. Then I didn't shoot a bridal session and I wanted a certain picture. Dumb, dumb, dummy me wanted a certain picture in the aisle of me in my dress before the ceremony started because I didn't think there would be time after the ceremony. I actually, I can't even take ownership of the fact that I thought there wouldn't be time after. I think I just said, hey, this is what I want. And nobody told me that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so I rushed to the church, popped my dress on before anybody was there. Our wedding was supposed to start at seven. I think this is six. Popped my dress on, um, maybe, maybe 545 if I'm being for real. Uh, took a picture in the aisle. And then uh, left, took my dress off, rushed home, put the dress back on, took photos with my bridesmaids who had been sitting there waiting for me all day, like all afternoon because I was gone, um, rushing around doing wedding things, took a couple of frenzied pictures with my people and then rushed out the door and made it to the church. Our ceremony started 20 minutes late. We're uh, 14 years of wedding photography. That just does not happen. No, no, no. And and if 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 a ceremony is running behind, it, it, you know, I can say pretty safely, it's never our fault. Um, you know, it, yeah. so yeah. You just needed to say that. I just needed to say that. <laughs> um, no, but ceremonies just don't start late, especially no. if they're in a church, because the church just doesn't stand for that. And they all, they tell you the you know at your rehearsal, hey, you can't be late. 
Like you got to be here 15 minutes before, if anything. So yeah, we were 20 minutes late there. Then you have the the ceremony. And again, for us, it was a Catholic mass ceremony. Then by the time that ended, we had all of our pictures on the altar, the traditional formal photos, no list, no schedule, people scattered. Uh, and 45 and minutes. It's like making yeah. me sweat just thinking back to it now. But um, everyone scattered. Uh, I remember being asked multiple times, how much longer is this going to take? Um, am I supposed to be in this picture? And being asked, hey, which photo do you want next? Who should be in the next photo? And that makes me want to just like, I mean, that's like nails on a chalkboard. That's nails on a chalkboard to me these days. I mean, those things, we we just don't allow those things to happen to our couples. So, so all of what we do now is so informed by that experience. So then that led to us being late to the reception. And we had made a decision with our caterer to not open the not open the reception doors until we got there because, well, we never dreamt we would be late. First of all, we thought the timing would be pretty swift the way we may get a reality for our couples now where it's like 15 minutes of pictures after the ceremony. We thought that would be our reality too, even though no one had planned for it. There was nothing to have created that situation for us, but somehow we thought that's how it would work. And then we wanted to have a receiving line at the reception so that we could, and that's kind of an old fashioned thing too. People don't really do that anymore, but that's a sign of the times. That's what people did, or at least that's what our parents said we should do. So we did it. And the receiving line is where people, as everyone is walking in before they sign your guest book or right after they sign your guest book, you get to hug and say hello, basically. Um, so you're seeing pretty much everyone who comes into your reception. And then once that dies down, then, you know, we were supposed to go um, to the side and then have be announced onto the dance floor for our first dance. Well, obviously, those things didn't happen. We... Um, got in the limousine, already like frenzied. We had already gotten, did we have cell phones? I feel like somehow we knew, somehow we knew that um, people were waiting for our reception doors to open. But I don't remember how we knew that because I know I didn't have a cell phone then. Ugh, it's yeah. probably your mom's bag phone. Maybe the bag phone. Um, but yeah, so people were waiting. We show up at the reception. When we get out of the limo, the limo driver says, um, we're running however much later than we were supposed to be. Who am I going to get paid by for this extra time? And I was about to totally lose it. And that's when like, I had no idea what a panic attack felt like at that point in my life. But I'm assuming that's what that was then because I could just feel it. I was just getting enraged. I was feeling like things were swirling around me. I couldn't breathe. I didn't know who to talk to. Um, fortunately, mom and Jesse, my Jesse is my stepdad, um, who passed away uh, nine years ago. But they met us outside, and Jesse handled it. He said, "Don't worry, don't worry, I got it." And then Mom walked us in, and she had to put her hands on my face in the middle of the dance floor and say, "You have to breathe and calm down." This is in the middle of the ballroom dance floor <laughs> at the local municipal auditorium, about to start my first dance, and I'm trying to get my mind right because nothing up to that point had happened the way I thought that it happened or the way I dreamt that it would happen when I imagined my wedding day. And then we had our first dance and our reception was a blast. And then 
we never saw each other again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't remember a lot of the reception. I remember some dancing. I remember our first dance. And that has nothing to do with the Arbor Mist. Mm, no. Uh, I, I remember the moment with the limo driver and thinking, I suck because I'm 21 years old and I'm broke, 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 broke. And I had zero money on me. And thank God Jesse was there. <laughs> and uh, he he was able to pay him. I mean, can you even imagine? Like, you wouldn't even go to on a date without some cash no, in your pocket. Nothing. But it just didn't even occur to us. Nope. Nobody looking out. Nope. Yeah. And then I ran into the pole on the way out of the exit. Yeah. Hit me right in the... uh the ding dong. Oh, <laughs> 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 that was awesome. I mean, you doubled over. Yeah, yeah. There was a, um, a handrail down the center of the exit path. For s- and yeah. we, we had a bird seed exit. And so you're ducking, you know, you're like covering your eyes as you're running out. And Lyle just, I mean, nailed that. Yeah, it's, 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 on, it's on the video of that part. And you can, <laughs> there's an audible like, oh, like from the audience, <laughs> from the audience throwing bird seed at us. Um, but I mean, about not seeing each other. That's another thing we tell our couples all the time is, you know, our biggest advice for your reception is just stay together. Because and if you're going to mingle and sort of get swept up in, in, you know, toasting with people and all of that, do it together. Because after our milestone moments of cake and dance, I didn't see you again until it was time for the exit. I didn't see you again for like two plus hours because we didn't know. (laughs) And then after it was all over, we didn't have anything to eat. We hadn't eaten a single thing. We had to go back to the house to go get my bags that you were super PO'd at me for mm. from earlier. And then, uh, yeah, then we had to go to um, a local, a local yokel hotel. Oh, God. Oh, man. And then we ate at Pizza Hut the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza Hut inside the restaurant. And then... Um, then we drove on to New Orleans where our official honeymoon began. I mean, I the internet was like just getting started when we were planning our wedding. And we had gone to like the knot.com. I know I used to go to the computer lab during school breaks and go to the knot.com. And it would take, it was dial up. So it would take forever, take like my whole break between classes to just get there. And then I was trying to look up honeymoon destinations. Like I so wanted to go to Tennessee. I didn't want anything elaborate. I wasn't trying to go to Italy. I just wanted to go to Tennessee or Philadelphia and do the Rocky Steps, go to D.C., you know, walk in some cool museums, things like that. Historically based East Coasty kind of places is where I wanted to land something cold because our um, our wedding was in January. So I knew it would be cold and snowy. And I not here in Louisiana, but there. And uh, yeah, broke, 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 broke. Couldn't do that. Nope, New, New Orleans, so hour New Orleans, and a half down the road. Which, uh, I mean, it was amazing. Was yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Um, so, yeah, that's what we did. We went and saw the Michael Jordan IMAX <laughs> thing, didn't we? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think that's what we did. We stayed like two nights in New Orleans. Um, and at least one of, no, both of those nights were gifted to us by, by a family member, I think. Wasn't that? Yeah. Your yeah. aunt? 
Yeah, this, and like, then travel agent. Y- yes, event. and then and then one night at Nottaway Plantation was which was also gift. a gift. Yeah, thank God. I mean, otherwise, even our spa trip was a gift. Holy Lord! <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start another podcast of what not to do as a groom. <laughs> Terrible. Don't be busted. Don't be busted. <laughs> It's probably why you shouldn't get married at 21. Um, well, I think the age, the age average, I don't know what's like specifically, but the age average for people getting married is definitely higher than 21, not only because of the year, um, you know, it being 2020 and not 2001, but also just geographically where we are in Louisiana, people oftentimes do get married at younger ages, but in the rest of the country, it's not necessarily like that. So, yeah, you know, but Lyle and not but and uh, our marriage is flipping awesome. It is awesome. So we got through all that mm-hmm. and we shook it off. Yep. And we came away with some really great memories, too. There's fabulous, fabulous moments on the wedding day. It might take me a minute to think of those. Uh, I mean, but I married you. Yeah, that was the thing. That was the thing. That was the one. Mm-hmm. Those vows. That kiss. I do remember um, the music at the ceremony was really good, but it was loud. I remember I, I really was dead set on that um, string quartet being mm-hmm. in the choir loft. But we have such a tiny church that it just like. So loud. Boom. I had seen Father of the Bride way too many times. And they <laughs> always played canon in D. Not always because it's a movie. So, of course, every time I play, it, it's going to be the same scenario. But um, they played canon in D during the vows. And I was like, well, I want that, too. Um, so that's what we made happen. And I remember when it started to play right when we were starting the vows and father was like, am I supposed to start? Are they going to keep playing? (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah, just go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was probably such a big no, no, but didn't know. I suppose that was one situation where ignorance was bliss. Uh, yeah. So the music was a highlight for sure. That part of it, you know? I married you. Yeah. It was a really good call. I, you're you're welcome for saying yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. So yeah, now we're almost twenty years in, and um, I suppose the the lesson is that your perspective could be that you know your wedding day is supposed to be this magical thing, and I would imagine I know plenty of people who would take a sort of um not quite so seamless version of a wedding day and take that as some sort of sign of things to come. Like if we can't get this right, or if we're fighting through our engagement, or if our families can't get along now and we're supposed to spend a lifetime like this, just wait till we have kids. Like all the things you tell yourself when things are going awry. And yet all these like two decades in almost. And I mean, it's, it, it isn't perfect and it isn't supposed to be, but it's pretty damn close. It's awesome. And through all of that, through the engagement, through whatever the wedding day was, uh, I certainly never doubted what we were doing, you know? So I think that's the important thing. Yeah. There was never a moment that we came to personally of, well, maybe we shouldn't do this. It probably brought us closer together because we, there was turmoil there that we were going through together against each other, maybe at times, but I think through it all, said no 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 let's focus on each other let's be a team and get through this and i think that's when we stepped up and i had conversations with your your family you had conversations with my family we knew that was the the path to get us through it all 
I think that's our changing the lens moment then for that was shifting that perspective from being uh, feeling pulled apart and deciding to, even at such a young age, making the decision to sort of dive into solution and realizing, like you said, that it makes us stronger as a couple and as a family. And it did, for sure. My relationship with your mom after that was was certainly stronger. Just the idea that you were able to go to somebody and and say, hey, I don't necessarily like this thing that's happening. Can we fix it? It's powerful. Yeah. Well, I love you. And I'd say I do to you a bajillion times over. Every day. Even with all that bananagram stuff that went down January 5th. 2001. I would do it every single day over and over again. I love you. I love you too, babe. <laughs> are you crying? Uh, only because I thought you were crying. No, are you just hot? Is your, are your eyeballs sweating? <laughs> I think that's what's happening. It's really, yeah, it's really hot. In here. I'm not crying. You're crying. Okay. I love you. Eyeball sweat and tears. Yep. listening to Changing the Lens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Changing the Lens podcast. And for show notes and up-to-date goodies, visit our website, changingthelenspodcast.com. And last but not least, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're a brand new show, y'all. So all of those actions make such a difference and help this show reach other people like you. And Guys, we want to hear from you. If you have a topic you'd like to hear more about or a guest you think that would be great, send us that info on our website. Just go to www.changingthelenspodcast.com. See you next time.